Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church is to inspire people to follow Jesus because we're convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks at greenvilleoaks.org and connect with us on social media. We would love it if you could rate and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Wade Hodges. everyone. So glad that you're all here today. It's also glad to know that we have folks that are watching and listening to us online. It's always good that we can be together in this way. If you would please turn in your Bibles to the first chapter of Acts, Acts chapter 1. And today I'm going to talk about Jesus's ascension and what it means for us to call him the exalted one. Growing up, I don't ever remember hearing a sermon on the ascension in church. Truth is, I don't remember any of the sermons I heard growing up, so that's not exactly fair to say. But in the first decade of my preaching career, I preached plenty of sermons on Jesus's death and resurrection and many sermons on his life. And some sermons on his birth, once a year, and even a few sermons about being ready for his future return. But it never occurred to me to preach a sermon about Jesus's ascension. Not until I was reading a book by N.T. Wright, one of my favorite New Testament scholars. I will refer to him and quote him often in my sermons. And I read a chapter in one of his books that got me interested in the ascension. And I began to study and ponder and do some initial teaching about it. And through that, I came to the conviction that the ascension, the event of the ascension is just as integral to the Christian story and the Christian faith as Jesus's birth, life, death, and resurrection. In fact, having a better and deeper understanding and appreciation of the ascension clarifies our mission and our message as followers of Jesus. It also can provide us comfort during difficult times. There are references to Jesus's ascension scattered throughout the New Testament, but it's only described two times at the end of the Gospel of Luke and in the first chapter of Acts. So let's read this longer description in Acts chapter 1 verse 9. After Jesus said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him 
from their sight. This is the most detailed description of the ascension in the New Testament. And honestly, it does not have nearly as many details as I would like. I have some questions about the ascension. But they're questions that Luke does not seem too interested in answering. And this is, for me, one of the hardest scenes in the New Testament to imagine. And Christian art doesn't always help. What, what exactly is Luke saying is happening to Jesus in this scene? He's lifting up off the ground, passing through the blue of the atmosphere into the black of space, zooming past the moon and then Mars and out of our solar system through the galaxies to the edge of space, the final frontier, until he gets to heaven. Is that even where heaven is? On the edge or the other side of space? To begin to make sense of the ascension, we have to begin to locate heaven. If that's where Jesus ascended to, if that's where Jesus goes when he ascends, where exactly is heaven? Well, first, what is heaven? Heaven is God's space. And the earth is our space. Heaven is that unseen realm that is fully inhabited by the glory of God. Fully inhabited by the glory of God. But heaven is not up in the sky or out there somewhere. Maybe science fiction or quantum physics helps us better imagine heaven by giving us some language. Language of parallel universes. Heaven is a parallel universe, unlike our own, but also not far away. Heaven and earth can exist side by side, one another, next to one another, entwined with each other. Or if you prefer scripture over science fiction, the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 6 uses the image of the curtain. Remember the curtain in the temple separating the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple? Well, the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 6 says there's a curtain like that curtain in the temple separating heaven and earth. It's unseen to us, but it's there. And so no matter where we go in the world, heaven is always there near us. Just on the other side of the curtain. And if that curtain would depart even just a little bit, the glory of God would shine through. And of course, our hope as Christians is that someday this curtain will rise or fall or dissolve and our space on earth will be flooded by the glory of God from God's space in heaven. And maybe we catch a glimpse of this happening in the Bible when people have visions or when angels appear seemingly out of nowhere. Or, for example, in Acts 9, when Saul is on his way to Damascus and a light from heaven flashes around him, the curtain parts and the glory of God shines through. 
So when Luke tells us that Jesus ascended, he's telling us that Jesus disappeared into heaven behind the curtain so that the risen Jesus is no longer present in this world, physically present in this world. But he's not far away either. And this, I think, is the best we can do with the mechanics of the ascension. We simply don't have that many details to work with. And I'm okay with that because the mechanics of the ascension are not nearly as important as the meaning of the ascension. And we get a big clue about the meaning of the ascension from Luke's language when he tells us Jesus is taken up and hidden in a cloud. That language works literally, but it also works symbolically. Throughout the scriptures, a cloud is symbolic of God's presence, God's glory, so that in the Old Testament, a cloud descends on the tabernacle and the temple indicating that God's glory is filling those structures, indicating that God is entering the building, the cloud. And then in the story about Jesus' transfiguration on the mountain, he's enveloped in a cloud on the mountain before he is temporarily glorified, a preview of his glory in heaven. So when Luke tells us that Jesus is hidden or enveloped in a cloud as he's taken up, He's telling us this is Jesus' glorification. This is the culmination of all that Jesus has done on earth. His reward, if you want to call it that, for his life and his death, raised from the dead and now glorified, just as Jesus said he would be during his ministry. And then throughout the scriptures, that language of being taken up, that's the language of exaltation. The opposite, to be taken down or brought low, that's the language of humility. But if you are lifted up, lifted high, taken up, elevated, you are exalted. And so Jesus' ascension is the reversal of his descending ark to earth as a human being. He descends and then he ascends. And Paul speaks of it this way in Philippians chapter 2. He says, beginning of verse 6, remember Christ made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being found in human likeness. So Christ humbled himself. Christ brought himself low, took himself down to our level, and even went lower than that, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Christ descends. Christ goes low. And the result of that is therefore God exalted him to the highest place. God lifts him up and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. The ascension is more than just a cool way of saying that Jesus has left the building. Jesus' ascension is his exaltation, his enthronement as King of kings and Lord of lords. 
When Jesus ascends, the Father is showing Jesus' disciples that he has been lifted to the highest place. And so functionally, Jesus' ascension allows the risen Jesus to expand his presence in the world by pouring out the Holy Spirit on all his followers. Peter speaks of this in Acts chapter 2 in his sermon on Pentecost. It says in verse 33 that Jesus, exalted to the right hand of God, the right hand of God means Jesus is now participating and sharing in God's power, glory, and authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. He's at God's right hand. And then from that authoritative position, Jesus receives from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and he pours it out on his disciples in Acts chapter 2. When Jesus ascends, the risen Jesus is taken away from this world, taken away from his disciples, no longer physically present to them. He told them this was going to happen in his ministry. They did not understand it at the time. They only understand it after the fact. He's no longer physically present with them, yet now through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, he is available to them in a different way. So that no matter where the disciples go, the risen Christ, the exalted Christ, can always, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, be with them. The risen, exalted Jesus is not physically present everywhere in this world. The risen, exalted Jesus is not physically present everywhere in this world, but through the presence of the Holy Spirit, he is accessible everywhere. He's always just behind the curtain in heaven. And so one of the practical implications then of the ascension is that it does clarify our mission and message as followers of Christ, which keeps us from taking ourselves too seriously. Our mission, until Jesus returns, passed on to us from his first disciples, our mission is to be his witnesses, to tell his story, to announce the gospel, which is the good news that the crucified, risen Christ is now King of kings and Lord of lords. That's our message. The gospel is Jesus is king above all others. And the focus of our message then is not on the church. The focus of our message is King Jesus. We do not preach the church. The church is not the hope of the world. We preach King Jesus. He's the hope of the world. We do not convert people to the church. We convert people to King Jesus. We do not pledge our allegiance to the church. We pledge our allegiance to King Jesus. And this is what keeps us from taking ourselves too seriously because it's always about Jesus who reigns in heaven, not about who we are and what we're doing. Now, of course, part of our mission 
is we are modeling for our neighbors what it looks like when a group of people like us, a congregation like us, pledges our allegiance to Christ and lives under his authority. Yes, we show the world what it looks like to be followers of Christ. And so how we live as followers of Christ matters. It matters. But the future of the world, the future of the world does not depend on us getting everything right. Or on us being right about everything. Being right about everything or getting everything right is not the hope of the world. The hope of the world is that right now, King Jesus is reigning in heaven. And this is why we don't take ourselves too seriously. We do not preach about or point to ourselves. We preach about and point to King Jesus always. Then a second practical implication of the ascension is that it energizes our prayers, especially during times of need. The ascension, having a better understanding and appreciation of it, energizes our prayers during times of need writer of Hebrews speaks a lot of Jesus's ascension. And in chapter four, he says, therefore, since we have a great high priest, speaking of Jesus, who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When Jesus descended to earth, humbled himself and became one of us, he brought divinity to earth. And when Jesus ascended to heaven, he took our humanity with him. So now we have a fully divine, fully human king and high priest reigning in heaven on our behalf, interceding for us. And because of his descent to earth, he understands the human condition. He understands our troubles, our trials, our temptations. He knows what it's like to be afraid, to be betrayed, and to be abandoned. He knows what it's like to be misunderstood, to be different from everyone else, to be made fun of, to be ostracized and excluded. And we can take all of these things and so much more to Jesus in prayer because he knows what it's like to be one of us. And he took that knowledge with him into heaven. Prayer has never come easily for me. Prayer has always been a struggle for me. My mind gets in the way of prayer. But the ascension, as I've described it today, 
gives me a more robust imagination for prayer. Because if Jesus is the risen, exalted Lord, reigning in heaven, just behind the curtain, when I pray, this is what I'm doing. When we pray, this is what we're doing. We're grabbing onto the hand of the one who knows what it's like to be us. But more than that, who has also defeated the forces of evil, including sin and death, which we struggle against. And in his great wisdom, King Jesus doesn't always give us everything we pray for, answer all of our prayers the way we want him to. Things don't always go the way we want. But we can take comfort in knowing that the strong, victorious, nail-scarred, fully divine, fully human hand is never more than a prayer away. So may we in our times of need, may we never hesitate to reach through the curtain and reach out for the risen and exalted Jesus. He's in heaven. And he is not far from any one of us. If you would please stand and let's read together this benediction from Ephesians 3. I'm going to slow the pace down on this reading. One line at a time. Read with me, please. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace. Have a great week. Thank you so much for listening to the message from the Greenville Oaks message broadcast. We hope this message enriched your life and can help you inspire others to follow Jesus because we honestly believe following Him is the best way of life possible. Be sure to connect with us online on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.